0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. I'm just going to read to you 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Send Zacchaeus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the great metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every attack and will bring me me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet Priscilla and Achaia. And the household of Onisiphorus, which I can't pronounce. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Tromissius Sicken in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all.
1: <clears throat> well, thanks to Linnea for reading the passage. We're, we're in our last week of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, uh, new series starting next week. Actually, if you come to the AM, we're doing something very different for Father's Day. I think that'll encourage you. But as we come to this tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, as we wrap this book, I want to take you to what I think is one of the, the most profound statements I mean ever, ever made. It's it's profound, It's profound. a profound statement because, well, for a bunch of reasons, but it's just a profound statement because of um, what he says. It's a It's a profound statement because of its uh, these statements echo across the ages and the generations, and, and it's a profound statement given the circumstances that Paul finds himself in as he writes this. Is that Steph? Hey, Steph, how good was that testimony? I'm going to ask Steph in front of you all, you and I, next time we can, you and I are going to preach together, all right? Yeah, you, we are. So that's why I'm saying in front of everybody, so now they're just going to ask you until it's done, and uh, you just got to do Five minutes you and I are going to preach together, I reckon it'll be a blessing. It's not about me, not about you. We're in. Locked away. Beautiful job. What a powerful story. See, chicken wings can get someone to heaven. That's what you need to take away. So as we wrap up, this is it's powerful, it's profound. And, and so listen to it, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read to you um, from verse 7. I have fought the good fight I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I love these little these few verses. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and now. I fought the good fight. That's really what I want to talk with you about tonight. Uh, imagine, I, I think of Paul here, and, 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 and really, he's, he's somewhere between days, weeks, or moments, days, weeks, months to live. This is, this is definitely the last book that Paul, a letter that Paul ever wrote, he, he, and, and this really could be his epitaph. I have fought the good fight, I have run the, you know, uh, run the race, I have um, finished the race, sorry, um, let me read it. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, that's what I'm looking for. That could be his epitaph on his, on his gravestone, couldn't it? I wonder what yours would say right now. Gosh, I don't want to think about what Sue's might say. <laughs> I caused trouble, I was a nuisance to Darren, <laughs> I was a good person, most mostly. Um, I fought the good fight, I have run the race, um, I have kept the faith. What a great thing to have said on the... On, on, as your epitaph at the, the end of days, um, but more than that, what 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 he can, the fact that he can say this because his struggle is real. I mean, Paul is in prison. Paul is an old man. He is at the end of his life. He is in a prison that looks nothing like the comfortable prisons that we have in our country. And I can tell you honestly, I've been inside a prison. I had a, a close relative in prison for a while, and. And it scares the heck out of me. It scares the heck that we get our GST right around here, just in case I'm the person who ends up in prison. I do not want to go to prison, but our prison got nothing on their prisons. Paul was at the end of his life. He is in prison. He, he knows that sometime between now and very soon, that one of history's most violent tyrants is going to call for him to be executed. That's the, that's the setting for Paul. Paul is dealing with the fact, as we read in the passage, that a whole bunch of people that he expected to stay have left. They've deserted him. Can you think about that? He's in prison. He's an old man, a tyrant. Uh, Nero is in charge. He's slaughtering Christians everywhere in the most brutal of ways, ways so brutal that we wouldn't mention them with a kid in the room here tonight. And Paul's at the end of his life. And, and really, the Apostle Paul was such a... Um, he was from Jewish, uh, the Jewish elite, and, and he learned from the best of the best. He was a man on the rise, and here he is at the end of the days. He, he was a classic underachiever by any human standard. Um, I may have told this years ago. When I was a young guy, there were, there were four of us at, at, at the West Tigers who were sent away on what was a talented player scheme. And, and, and two of those guys, me and, and, a, and a mate of mine, um, I remember at about 18, I just was just stuffing it up and it was Sunday morning. I was in the back of Liverpool in a place called Ashcroft. Anyone know that? I've woken up, blown the night. I'm not serving Jesus. And, um, uh, and because I've spent everything, I've got to walk all the way to Liverpool Station, which is like half an hour away. Got to jump the train just to get home. And as I walk through a football field in the backside of Ashcroft, there's my friend. He's got a bag of footballs about this big. And he's there at 7 o'clock in the morning. He's there just kicking the balls. Kicks all the balls, walks to the other end, puts them all together, kicks all the balls again, walks to the other end. Here am I, hungover, wasting away. Here is he, he is in the back box, just doing his thing. Now, he went on to be the highest point scorer in the NRL. I didn't. It's interesting. Because, um, as we... I forget why I'm telling you a story. I didn't mean to tell you that story yet, did I? That wasn't meant to come yet. But, But... But oh, that's what. And so it was a few times it was said to me, Darren, you're, you're the best footballer we knew who didn't make it. I was an underachiever. That's as close to fame as I get, someone telling me that I was the best player that didn't make it. But he became the highest point scorer at that time in NRL, NRL history. And so when Paul is like me on a human level, he was like this classic underachiever, and yet against that backdrop in prison at the point of death, uh, facing the, the brutality of Nero, a failure in many ways by human terms, certainly a disappointment even from his, when he got converted on the road to Damascus, he'd seen the revival in Jerusalem. Paul probably thought he was going to see the same kind of revival amongst the Gentiles but he hasn't and he's in prison and I don't know about you, on a human level you have got to be going, this isn't how I expected this to work out and against that backdrop, Paul writes this, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Against that backdrop, he says, hey, I fought the good fight, I've run the race, I've kept the faith. And so for you and I tonight, just I want to talk for a few minutes around this idea. Imagine coming to the end of your life and being able to say what it says next. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Imagine if you got a terminal um, news tonight. Would you? I, I don't know that I'd be able to say I'm I'm ready for that. I remember when Bron got what we thought was terminal a year ago. She was like, I couldn't believe how calm she was. She said, Oh well, if it's time, you know, I'm ready to meet Jesus. I'm like, man, you you're a better Christian than me if we didn't if we didn't know that already. And she was so calm. She got a bit teary about um, leaving the children behind and leaving me behind. I think. And um, they. <laughs> But apart from that, she was very at peace at the time and like, well, if, if it's now, I'm ready to meet Jesus. And, and Paul, he's like, like mate, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. In fact, in Philippians he, um, chapter 1, he says this incredible thing. He says, I, I long to go and be with the Lord, but it's better that I stay for your sake. Imagine coming to that place. That's where Paul is. He's like, man, I just want, I, I long to be with God. And I'm only here because it's better for you. Imagine coming to that place in, in our heart and mind. Imagine you could say, well, I want to be with the Lord, but it's better that I stay for everybody else. Um, uh, wouldn't that be a great place to come to? Have uh, you, you heard the saying that um, the most dangerous person in the world is a person with nothing still to lose? Well, I think there's a more powerful person and a more profound person in the world, and that is the person who, like Paul, has come to the place where it's just not about them anymore. I mean, that person cannot really lose. They, they can fight the good fight. They can run the race. They will keep the faith because it's gone from being about them to being about Jesus, being completely about others. And I reckon if you think about your life, if I think about mine, where are most of the tensions for you? Most of my tensions are somehow circling around me. Some of them are around you, <laughs> Phoebs. Some of them are around you. But most of them are still around me. How was that perceived? How did that go? Was that too hard? Was that too soft? What will they think? And then you go, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm in a chick flick. And so, how about you? But can you imagine how many things in your life would disappear as an issue if our life came to the place where Paul was, where he says it's just not about me. I'd rather be with God, but I'm here just because of you. And so, he, he says, with that spirit, he can fight the good fight. He can run the race. Um, here's the next thought. Um, there are the settings for how we fight the good fight. And I try to think about this in the context of 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy. What did Paul do? And, and here's how I put it. Paul had, in terms of the settings, it, this is not exhaustive, but it, it is simple. I think you can capture the essence of how we fight the good fight. Number one, Paul had, had lived, fully lived out his faith just lived out his faith before God. Paul had, number two, Paul had fully served God's calling upon his life. We know that. Paul talked about that often. He he just lived out his faith, but more than that, narrowing that down, not just his broad faith, but he'd actually served God's purpose with his life. And and that that's very important for us to know. And then I wrote here, Paul lived just bringing, as Bronze spoke about this morning, just bringing heaven to earth as he went. And, and with that level of simplicity, Paul's able to look on and go, oh, man, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And, and in your life and mine, I think that's true too. Just broadly, living out our faith, uh, narrowing that down. What, what has God uniquely called you and I to, to live out in, right across our life, in this season of life, what does that look like? And just generally bringing heaven to earth as we go, I think life lived with those settings. Um, we'll see. So at the end of the day, it's being able to go, hey, I've finished the race, I've run the, uh, sorry, I've run the race, I've fought the good fight and, and now I'm ready, God, I, Here I come. I hope so anyway. So there's the settings and there's what I would call the spirit. Listen to what Paul says, right, in terms of running the good race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? This was my first sermon I ever preached, this passage. 22 years old. One of the best sermons ever, ever produced. (laughs) Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Uh, Just thinking about the settings for running the race, for for fighting the good fight um, in, in our lives. Again, I, this is actually where i meant to use that story. I, I was a guy who just like went, oh, you know, we'll see if it works when it came to footy. yeah, you know, I'll put in some level, I'll do the compulsory. And here was my friend. He's just like, he's just doing, he was the guy who set up to win the race. He was a guy who set up to uh, actually win the fight. Everything about his life was set up for that. And so Paul's saying, hey, be, be that kind of person in the way you live your spiritual life. Don't, don't be lazy, don't be all over the place. Uh, just be have some have some discipline have some have some um, settings in our life that really set us up to run this waste well to fight this fight well it is a fight Uh, life's a, a struggle whether I serve Jesus or not so in serving Jesus this struggle that he calls us to he says hey discipline your body discipline your mind live in a godly way live in a godly life and set yourself up to up to win and then there's a thought I really want to bring you today, bring you to, which is this. There is a spiritual dimension by which we fight the good fight. And I just want to spend the minutes that we have right here. There is a spiritual dimension by which we fight the good fight. I, I want to take you something to, that to many people around the world is most obvious. But to the average Aussie Christian really isn't always functional. I, I would say I've met many Christians who come from other nations who move to our country and in some ways they're a bit shocked, aren't they, Pastor Mike? They're a bit shocked at the lack of spiritual enthusiasm. Spiritual enthusiasm, the spiritual temperature, spiritual application of the average Aussie Christian. In fact, many Christians who make Australia home are, are pretty stunned at the lack of the, the lack of it, right? Um, the, the the spiritual awareness of the Aussie Christian. And you, you can see the effects of its absence, can't you? In in some ways, maybe not in this room. People with every advantage struggling spiritually. How is that? I mean, we have every natural advantage on the face of the planet, and yet, you know, there's plenty of people who struggle spiritually. Uh, how is that? People with so much potential living so far below what's possible. People with so much knowledge, so much knowledge, who know better, living without power. And, and, and I, I'd like us to be those, like many others who defy that, that we would live with a degree of spirituality, that actually, because you can't do this, you can't win this fight, you can't fight this fight, you can't win this battle without the spiritual dynamic, the spiritual dimension going on in our life. We were not meant to be if you're a follower of Jesus. There's no way to live this out naturally and expect to live in victory. It's just not going to happen. We'll get through, we'll struggle on, but it's not what God intended. God intended something way beyond that. There is a spiritual dimension by which we fight the good fight and so I just want to take you to um, a couple of um, verses here listen to this to Timothy chapter 4 verses 17 and 18 I'm making life hell for the guys up the back I think um, as I jump listen to Paul uh, verse 16 at my first defense no one came to support me but everyone deserted me may it not be held against them what a great attitude wonder if that's what I'd say I wonder if I'd send you a text. But the Lord, listen to this, he says, but the Lord, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. It's not, a, it's not just some um, state, it's, it's a reality. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed uh, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. I don't know what the equivalent would be. Um, maybe the lint siege. Um, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The, the Lord will rescue me. Moving forward, he says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen or amen. Um, there is a spiritual dimension, and Paul says, Hey, the Lord, the Lord stood with me. God empowered me. The Lord delivered me. And looking forward, he says, And the Lord will rescue me. There is a supernatural dimension to fighting the good fight. It's a, It's a, absolutely, it's a knowledge of God, but it's also um, God's empowering. It's also God's presence. It's a presence thing I've written here. It's an empowering thing. And as we become aware of that, it begins to change everything. Here's, here's the thing. When I was 19, 19 years old, 20 years old, just before I came back and made a decision for Jesus, on multiple occasions I would go, I can remember them clearly, I would go into my room and I'd Get ready for bed, you know, the lights are out, everyone's gone to sleep. And something would go on in my room. Now, you know I'm not weird, right? (laughs) But something would go on in my room. Remember, I had no Christian language to put around this. And I would, the room, I would feel this, like, this warmth, this comfort, this peace, like, overwhelm me. And I'd be laying there, and I'd be like, "Like, what is, what is this? What is, what is, what is, what is going on right now?" And this would happen again and again. And I'd feel this like this warmth and this calm and this peace. And it was like the 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 atmosphere would fill with it, and I could feel it. And I remember one night, I remember it clear as day, saying, "God, is that, is that you?" I'd love to say God went, Darren you got it, but he didn't, my like, God, is that you? And this happened over and over again and then at 21, I recommitted my life to Jesus and not long after that, I'm praying, I'm in services like this and that feeling that surrounded me in my room started to, what could we say, envelop me where I was and I realized this indeed was God And the Bible, which I didn't know then, but I would find out later, it says about his peace that goes past all understanding, that he is the God who comforts, that he is the one who brings peace, he's the one who strengthens, he's the one who encourages, he's the one who comforts, and and, and he was invading my room without me even asking him to come. And then when I make a decision for Jesus, I'm like, ah, that, that was God. Right now, right here, right in this moment, I sense that same, what I would call now the spirit, Upon me. Maybe you feel it too. Maybe in the worship you thought, oh, it feels a bit different. It wasn't good music, good as it was. It was something of God. And that's what Paul knew, not just the knowledge of God, but Paul knew that the Lord stood with him. He knew that God empowered him in moments. How else do you explain? Like, is the guy crazy? He's in a prison. He's at the end of his days. He's given his life to a cause where a whole bunch of people have left him. It feels like there's no one with him. Everyone's abandoned him. He's about to go towards, go in front of Nero and die for this so-called faith in Jesus that he believes in with all his heart that he met on a road to Damascus, resurrected from the grave. If that's not true and if God's presence isn't real, man, you are not doing that deal. He can be out of prison just by saying, it's not legit. It's not legit, people. Jesus is a fabricated lie. But no, what does he say? I have run the race. I have finished, I I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say with his closing words, rather than deny Jesus and live, he says, the Lord stood by me. God empowered me. The Lord delivered me and the Lord will rescue me. His divine presence sheds peace and light and rest in the soul and strength and courage and more to our spirit. Let me read you that again. His divine presence sheds peace and light and rest into the soul and strength and courage and more to our spirit. God can invade a space, but certainly as we retreat into his presence, there's something that can go on. The biggest challenge for some believers is nothing more than there's no room for God to do. They've never found the quiet place where God can move in their spirit. They've never found that place alone where God can start to just encourage and that His presence can be and that the comfort can come. They're just, and, and, and for you and I as Aussie Christians, Pastor Mike could stand here and tell the stories. There's just a dynamic that sometimes is missing that absolutely changes everything, a spiritual dimension in fighting the good fight, in running the race, in keeping the faith. So let me read to you from 2 Corinthians. Um, I realized that... Um, I'm not even trying to pretend this is good exegetical teaching. Someone else will do that next week. <laughs> Listen to this: the spiritual dimension. Two Corinthians ten, chapter th- uh, two. Corinthians chapter ten, verse three. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Yeah. Okay, so we wage war. Not a jihad. I'm not a jihadist, but nor do we want to be polite about what we actually believe and what is true and what is helpful. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. You know, there's something in me that wants to pull back from that in a public setting, just because I know that people will think we're crazy. But more important than thinking we're crazy is that you would live with power. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me ask you, when was the last time you took a thought captive? (laughs) There's the problem. Not Jesus, not the Word of God, not His church. When was the last time you took a thought captive? When was the last time you demolished an argument? When was that? When was the last time? Imagine that. Imagine Lee and I, were a bit out of sorts. There's an argument swelling in the background about me. You know what I know about Lee? He'd demolish it. He'd go, no, no, what does the Word of God say? He'd demolish it. Before it's got room to breathe, before it can travel a metre, he'll demolish the argument but it's more than that. It's about prayer, it's about spiritual forces. When, when was the last time in one of you, maybe you do this every day, I, uh, just when we go, hey, you know what, let's, let's be the kind of people, we, we need to pray into this scenario. It might just be that the biggest key to most of our lives is a move from prayerfulness to prayerfulness, prayerlessness to prayerfulness. Three times in another passage, talking about the spiritual weapons of our warfare, Paul talks about faith and and righteousness and truth. But at the end, three times he talks about prayer in the same passage. He says, hey, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I want you to pray for God's people everywhere and I want you to pray for me. Pray that I'd be bold as I should. Pray that I'd declare it clearly as I should and with great fearlessness as God would ask me. And I think for you and I, you know, if that's just going on in our life, an earnestness around prayer, not just a not just a recliner-type attitude. I'm not talking about getting down the street. I I just mean an earnestness around prayer. I've been stirring myself personally around earnestness around prayer. My life's pretty comfortable. And I'm going, God, I need to be earnest in the way I'm praying for other people. An earnestness around prayer prayer, because we are in a spiritual battle, casting out thoughts, casting down imaginations. If you were the enemy of your soul, how would you come at you? I, I can... How would you come at you? I know how I would come at me. I'm pretty confident you know how you would come at you, because we know our vulnerabilities, right? If you were the enemy of the of your soul, how would you come at you? Here's the thing: one day you will. If he isn't right now, if you were the enemy of your soul, how would you disrupt your relationship with Jesus Church? How would you do that? Because he wants to do that too. If you were the enemy of your soul, here's the thing. Some of us have got disruption in our spirit and it's not the person that's in front of us. The Bible says we war not against flesh and blood, but against unseen forces and unseen powers in spiritual realms. Some of us are being conned by something that is spiritual that was always designed to deceive us. And God wants to open our eyes to it. God wants you and I to live fighting the good fight, running the race, keeping the faith. He's given us weapons of prayer. He's given us the ability to cast down imaginations and to set up the word of God uh, in our lives and to see things happening in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How are you feeling? You are well positioned to fight the good fight. You are well positioned to run the race. You are on your way to keeping the faith and stored up for you and stored up for me is the kingdom to come where his presence never leaves and never fades. You know those moments when I think about in my room. The Bible calls them like a foretaste. Have you ever had a taster? You get a taster of something beautiful. You ever had one? You're like, that's no good to me. I need the whole cheesecake. Those moments, the Spirit of God, they're a foretaste. They have nothing. They're, 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 They're so minor. They're so small. They're so minuscule. One day very soon, some of us sooner than later, some of us later than sooner. Maybe Jesus returns today or tomorrow, but someday soon, this whole thing's going to be wrapped up and you and I are going to wake up as those who believe in Jesus in the presence of God. And I can explain, I can't explain the tangible sense of his presence that will surround you for every moment, for the rest of time, in ways we cannot understand, think, dream, or imagine. So we fight the good fight. We run the race. And we declare we are those who are going to keep the faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? you just close your eyes just for a moment many of us in this room have had this closing prayer many times but I, I just want to take a moment I want you to be still before God for just a moment no noise in the room just still Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit Lord move upon the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls like you did to me in those days I spoke of moving people's hearts and lives envelop them even now May you come, Lord, right across this room. Holy Spirit, we know there will be people who need your comfort, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, for people who need your encouragement right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, and envelop your people right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Let strength come. Let courage rise. Let peace overwhelm in all of people's circumstances. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name
0: again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of jesus there is a next step for you there is always room to grow more to be done destiny to be pursued and people to be reached so what's your next step to find out head over to northwestchurch.com.au and thanks again for listening